Boots, Aaron from the Press Play on Tape podcast, coming live from the PAX showroom floor with thanks to Audio Technica. And today I'm actually joined by one of a good friend of mine from Sydney, Mr. Mark. Hello, hello. hello. Good so, to be here and thank you so much for asking me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so, so Mark, Mark, I'm here from the uh, Game the System podcast, who's yep. fellow retro gaming, pinballing and everything else in between loving podcasts. So Absolutely. What um, will you tell us about yourself? Sure thing. So uh, I've been gaming for as long as I can possibly remember. Um, one thing that I've actually noticed in the last few years is that it's not just a hobby of mine, it's just part of me. And I've been through a, a few hobbies during my lifetime, but games have always been there. Mm-hmm. So I've realized, like I said, it, it's not just something that I do in my spare time. It's, it feels like it's who I am. Gaming is who I am. Um, Game the System I started probably two, three years ago. It was originally a website around pinball, competitive pinball. Yep. Um, but that has now kind of evolved to include all gaming. We, we did some um, features and shoots of players, yep. uh, places where people play games. Oh, yes. um, fantastic photographs by the photographer Matthew Venables. Um, and then that morphed into even more gaming, going into retro gaming. Now it's more of a community, it's got a forum, we do a podcast, like you said, Game the System podcast. Um, that's been going for almost a year now, okay. strangely. <laughs> Time goes quickly. It does. Uh, so yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. Nice. So, I mean, you mentioned you've been playing games for as long as you can remember, so where did you start? Ooh, that's another good question, because I've thought about this and it's kind of hard to remember. Um, I have memories of starting on some of those, you know, LCD games like the Nintendo Game & Watch. Um, but the, the big ones that, that really resonate with me and the ones that I remember the most are the, the games that I came across on the Commodore 64. Okay. Um, yeah, so that was when I became really, really obsessed. Yep. And I'd go over to friends' places um, and play their games on their Commodore 64 because I didn't have one of my own at the time. Okay. And to be honest, I'd mainly go there to play the games rather than be with my friends. <laughs> I, finally, I think I actually have similar stories of just, yeah, the friend, people down the road that, yeah, they were the rough kids or they were that, and, but now nah, they had a Commodore 64 with a ton of games I didn't have yep, and yep. that's where we went. Yep, yep. So it's, um, it's funny you mentioned that. Actually, yeah, the, the 64, I think, was a lot of people we talked to, obviously, given topic of what we cover yep. is you know the 64 is one and that sort of stuff is definitely what comes up a lot so yeah yep. but i thought actually well, while we put had you on was you know maybe have a little bit of a, more of a, a dig into that sort of stuff especially like you said because it's become more part of the culture again like so many people are getting some of these old systems yep. for in our cases maybe getting them back or yep. in some people's cases getting them for the first time and yep. it sort of can be a bit daunting Maybe is yeah. the best way to put it because it's like I've got this thing. Okay, great. What what do I do with it? Yeah, yeah. I ah. think that's a really good point and a point that I only just realised recently myself because you know I grew up with a Commodore sixty four. I know it intimately. Mm. Um, on the podcast, Game the System podcast, uh, John Pansini, good friend of ours. He's another one of our podcast hosts. He didn't grow up in the Commodore sixty four period. You know, he wasn't playing Commodore sixty four games. So when we're talking about these games, you know, we wanted to show him what these games were like and so on and so forth. And I realized just as I'm trying to load these these games up, you know, get them configured to work and so forth, how 
how much of a barrier it is and how complicated it actually is for someone who doesn't know it intimately like you and I do, um, it's actually really tough. And I, I think it's, I don't know if it's a problem, but it's certainly an issue that a lot of people who are trying to discover it for the first time will face. Can get turned off. And um, it's, it's interesting, like you said, actually, it's a good one because I had a similar situation. Those who might follow us on Twitter might have seen me a little bit back talking about a friend I used to work with. He's and I'm going to get his age wrong, he's about eight, ten-year-old um, son, found a Commodore 64 at a garage sale and somehow managed to twist their arm into selling it to him for like $20. You know, tape drives, nice. some cartridges, but yeah. they had no idea how to hook it up, had yeah. no real idea other than that he knew what they were, which is really cool, but yeah. Yeah. that was it. So, like, oh, you know, they came around and spent an afternoon with me getting them all set up, getting, you know, the video cable working, showing them what they need to do to load things, and yeah. Yeah. in this case, loaned them one of my uh, flash flash devices so he could actually play some disc games because the tape drive he got was, as they always are, yeah. cooked. Um, they often so, were just back in the day as well. <laughs> they, Getting those things to work was horrible. Oh, mate, look, it's something I talk to um, Tony um, at times. We go around there and have a chat. And like he said, look, it's the 64 tape drive. Like a lot of the things Jack did with that system, it has minimal, if any, error correction. Yep. There's just, there is no holdover for failure. So, yep, yeah, yep. it was load impossible mission, come back in, and 35 minutes later, the 20-minute load time definitely hadn't happened, yep. and you had to do it over again. Yep. Yep. Um, and nowadays, especially, like, tapes are just, they're beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. I, I have some on the shelf. Mm-hmm. I will never try and play them because no. it's almost pointless. Yeah, they, they will more than likely not work. And even if they do, your tape drive might chew up the tape and, and destroy it. Oh. So it's, it's a scary thing. Yeah, and and I, I, still, I still feel paranoid about some things because of how loading worked back in the day mm-hmm. um, off tape where... You know, it takes 20, 30 minutes to load. If you do anything on that system, it felt like if you if you breathed in the wrong yep. direction, it'd crash or something would go wrong and you'd have to stop it and reload it again. And The little, and sister, my, the little sister come thumping in, go yes, bop, 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 yes. and knock the heads out of alignment. I was, like, a, I was about to say, my brother used to do that because he knew I was so paranoid about this. He'd, he'd come up and he'd start pressing the keys and, and I'd get really upset, mm-hmm. saying, you're going to ruin the game, we're going to have to do it all over again. Um, yeah, it's just such such a problem, yep. and uh, that's why when you mentioned the the flash drive, mm. I think that's the only way you can really do games on the Commodore 64 these days. You, I, I would prefer to remove the physical media entirely, even disc based. I think is unreliable. Yeah, yeah I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with that. I mean, but yeah, I mean, look, I suppose the big ones like the the hurdles is very much defining the media. It's mm. getting reliable media. Yeah, uh, and like a lot of those those modern solutions. Do, do simplify the process quite a bit. Um, yep. I mean, I know for us here at PAX, like when we set up the classic gaming area, you know, a lot of our older computers, we, we do utilise things like the SD2 IECs, yep. um, USB floppy emulators for the Amigas and the STs and stuff at times because they don't fail. And so, you know, yeah. when you're running a competition, when you've got a cartridge, perfect. Yep. But, yeah, when you, when you want to just run something though no, that's not on cartridge it's like oh, is it going to load is it not yeah. going to work does it crash part way through and it, it takes some of that guesswork out and I know that there's arguments people go oh you know ultimate 64s and 1541 ultimates and all yep, that are, yep. are not the real thing and yep. it might as well be emulation but yep. we're still on the original hardware yeah, with exactly. the original quirky behaviour yep. and all that sort of stuff and it's yeah I think the one case that could be made there is that all of those um disk image files or tape drive files um, 
a lot of them are the cracked versions mm -hmm. of the games. So when you load them up, you might be missing the original intros or they're coming up with things like, you know, do you want level skip or yep. do you want invincibility, blah, blah, blah. So it's not the original, original experience. And I say that's a fair argument. It is. Um, but ultimately, I mean, if you're trying to deal with the original physical media, I think that's a much harder sell. Yep. Especially, like you said, it's because they're getting older and there is going to be that finite lifespan you're going to hit eventually. Yep. Where some, one day a perfectly working disc is just going to go, nah. Yeah. But um, what am I do though? Take take a step back though. I mean, so mm -hmm. for those that are listening that maybe have never had a C sixty four before, I mean, obviously, world the you know, biggest selling home computer. Yep. They were everywhere. They yep. still are everywhere. Yep. We've had you know the release of the C sixty four mini recently, which sort of has brought it back into the spotlight even more so. Yep. I mean, hardware wise, like you know what? You know, I guess for those asking the question, like you know what what platform should I chase? Like because you've got. The, mod the models you've got, like, you know, you've got the original Ubiquitous Breadbin, yep. which I think is probably the most common one that people, when you mention it, know about. Yeah. But, you know, you've got the re-release, like the later version, the C, C64C. Yep, yep. Um, which is probably a little bit more prevalent because they, they were newer, and they, I find they tend to be a bit more robust because mm. the, the later versions had some improvements that improved, yeah. you know, they weren't as hot. Yeah. But then you sort of shift into some of the other, I suppose, lesser-known ones that people might see come up like the the laptop or ruggable i suppose you can call it oh uh, yeah the yeah. sx64 yeah, yeah which i think you've got one don't you yeah i do yeah they're very luggable as in they're very heavy <laughs> do you do your daily get in do your, your weights your weight training with it's like if i got another one then sure but i've only got one at the moment so <laughs> um, but i mean how do you i mean like that's yeah that, that's an interesting case in itself like because the sx64 is yeah it's got its own built-in screen which yep. is a five inch four inch uh i think it's four inch it's yeah. around there. It's, it's very small. Pretty small. And yeah. I mean, while you've got the disk drive built in, like they yep. have the built-in keyboard, and they, yep. they're host to all manner of issues as well. Yep. Uh, with, you know, finding a working keyboard, getting replacements, and it's... I mean, that, that's probably not a good place to start. recommend anyone start because of just the cost associated with that system yeah. in general is they are ludicrous. Yeah, they're hard to find and they're very expensive. Yeah. Um, they're collector's items, basically. Oh, yeah. I... But um, I know. I mean, but from there, obviously, as well, like you've got you know, the Commodore 128. When you sort mm -hmm. of step up to the the newer generation, where mm -hmm. the the 128 and the 128D, which was the more uh, Amiga 1000 stylized, you know, hard case, again had a had its own keyboard. But again, the, like the 128s, probably ones where I wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't suggest someone new to the new to the platform really start with. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There was what dozen games, maybe a few more released for the 128 natively and yeah. I think 99% of owners run it in C64 mode. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. Um, and they also unfortunately have the side effect of being horrifically expensive to pick up now. Yeah, uh, right. I don't know if you've looked at eBay recently, like... No, I haven't actually. And when you talked about um, my possibility of coming onto the podcast and talking about this stuff, you know, trying to acquire a Commodore 64 th these days... Um, I was thinking about that because I haven't really, I haven't looked at, on eBay or anything like that for a Commodore 64 for a very long time. Um, uh, it helps that I've got a few of them already, oh, <laughs> so I don't really need one. Uh... Um, but yeah, I, I was I was at Lobo's Collectibles, um, which is a shop here in Melbourne, just mm -hmm. yesterday, um, and they've got a heap of stuff. They got retro stuff. They got figurines. They had a Commodore 64 there. Yeah. It was a it was a Commodore 64 C, two hundred and ninety nine dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, I thought, hmm, is that what they go for these days? I, 
I'd be surprised. I'm sure you can get them much cheaper than that, but I'm sure they're much more expensive than what I thought they would be anyway. I, I, I do too, and look, I'm the same. Like, you know, um, Spencer, like I said, when he come around with his $20 C64, like, that is a bargain for yeah. a beautiful working bread bin. Yep. That was amazing. But, I mean, look, there's someone that, you know, I do occasionally dabble in some of that side of things, and no, unfortunately, at the moment, like, buying C64s off eBay that you can get the odd bargain. Uh-huh. You can definitely, you know, if you're quick, you know, you look, and look for ones that maybe don't have a lot of stuff with them or have things, you know, maybe a bit more yellow, people yep. may not go for. But, yeah, I've, I have seen them go for upwards of sort of 220 250 wow. even 300 if they've got a disk drive and a lot of stuff with them that wow, okay. people people pay good money for it. But that's the same, I think, with a lot of retro at the moment. Yeah, it's it is. just such yeah. a market that I mean some of the things like the N64s and Super Nintendos and some of the consoles yep. settle down a little bit like you tend to find they, they aren't so bad anymore but yep. yeah things like you know BBC Micros MSX stuff is just they, they go for it because eBay is just one of those marketplaces that you have all the people watching yeah. at it yep. so um, but I suppose with that in mind I mean eBay is one source yeah um, I mean, you yourself, like, you know, if you do go hunting for, you know, games or you go hunting for other bits to maybe add to the collection, like, where, what sort of places do you go looking at? Um, I don't ever see Commodore 64 games out there in the wild. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't go to garage sales and things like that, but, I mean, you know, retro shops that might be selling old games, it's generally Master System, Mega Drive, yep. Super Nintendo, that kind of stuff. Hardly ever see any Commodore 64 stuff. So if I'm looking for Commodore 64 stuff, it would be on eBay, um, places like that. And like you said, you pay a premium for it, but you can't find it anywhere else. Or at least where I am in Sydney, I can't find it anywhere else. I I understand there's better places to look, like there's Facebook groups now. um, And I understand that's much fairer priced um, it can be negotiable a bit more negotiable I think it's uh, okay, the right. yeah, I, and I, look I agree I've, I've picked up recently a um, Decathlon and River Raid for the 64 cartridge that someone locally near me in Hobart advertised on a Facebook group for not a great deal of money um, yep. and it was just she had no idea what it was they were given to her by a friend who just said here here's these Nintendo and these other cartridge things to get rid of them for me yep. and yep. so they were priced accordingly and I was yeah, like yeah okay Look, some would argue that's a fair price. Mm. Some would also go, well, hang on, that's just really, really cheap. I personally, I find, like, yeah, Facebook, I mean, Gumtree, or if yep. you're overseas, you know, your Craigslists and yep. places like that are always a good a good source. But, yep. yeah, like you said, it's just garage sales, tip shops, and places like the op shops and that, that they're pretty much the better place to go hunting. But yep. unlike eBay, where you don't want to say it's a, a guaranteed source of being able to find this stuff. Yeah. They they are a very much hit and miss affair that you'll sometimes find them. Yeah. Other times you'll go, oh look, it's another DVD copy of Big Mama's House. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, um, I think possibly the best place to find these sort of things is in the communities themselves. Mm-hmm. If you can get involved in the community, so find a you know a forum somewhere or something like that. Or get involved, you know, like there's the classic game area in, in PAX, obviously, yeah. and there's people that are knowledgeable there. You get involved with these communities, and, you know, the, we're, we're willing to talk about this stuff. We have Absolutely. spares. Most of us have spares. Quite often, you yeah. You know, mountains of spares in the corner of the room. Um, and we're willing to let them go, just not just because we want to make a buck or something, but we want to spread the love. We, we like people liking these yeah. things. 
So getting Absolutely. involved in the community, that might be the best approach. It's yeah. probably something that you have to spend a bit more time on because you're not going to introduce yourself to a community and then suddenly games and consoles are flooded <laughs> your way. Yes, um, I wish it worked like that. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Look, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I, by myself, like I'm, you know, I'm involved with the classic gaming area now because I met a lot of the guys at the first packs, mm -hmm. got to know Daz and Alex from you know Retro Dom and Aussie Retro, I was Retro Gamer over yep. the years and. Yep. You know, working with them in the community events, you know, posting, sharing stuff, being around that crew and, you know, eventually being on Press Play on Tape. Like, yep. it's something that, you know, that the communities are fantastic. Yeah. Here's the drama and you're always going to get that no matter yep. where you go. Yep. But, yep. Um, you know, you, you're right. Like, I've, I love nothing more than seeing, like I said, my friend's, my friend's little guy, like, I, I want to encourage that, that mm. he was actively, saw it, wanted it and went after it because he was really keen to see and experience the system. So yep, to yep. me, like that's the sort of stuff we want to encourage because yeah. otherwise, when us older generation of gamers oh, do eventually move on. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, you're like 21. Sorry. Yeah, of course. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's it. But like, you know, they these are the guys that are going to continue to preserve and yeah. maintain this sort of stuff as we as we go forward and hopefully develop, still develop stuff for it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's it's all definitely out there. It's. Mm. The other side of, of course, though, as, as like I mentioned, like touched on, like, you know, the other avenue you've got, like, for the 664 is things like the Mini, which it's a contentious topic. The, yeah. Those that say it's great, those that go, it's just awful. Mm. I haven't used one personally, right. so I have almost no opinion other than third-hand knowledge of friends that have them. Yep. Tony, like, on, you know, one of the fellow hosts, has one. He thinks it's great. Right. He yep. honestly has minimal investment in the 64 because he was an MSX boy growing up yep. and Atari ST and a few other things but yep. 64 him is not really a holy grail thing so for him like, the, the Mini is, is fantastic because it mm. does what it's advertised he can yep. play the stuff you can load new stuff yep. because all the new version of firmware now lets you have your own games off SD so yep. Yep. in a lot of ways like it's a good way of like $150 I think it is in Australia yeah, something like that Yeah, it's not a terrible way to sort of get no. a taste for it um, I mean the arguments against, obviously, like I said, the joystick maybe not great, mm. the emulation, all the stuff, because it is an emulator. Yeah, there's input lag in it as well, which is the killer for me. Um, yeah. But the thing about that is a lot of people don't notice the input lag. Yeah. Some people do, some people don't. Um, I Maybe I notice it more because I'm intimately familiar with the games themselves. Yeah. So I know when I pushed in this certain direction, it should immediately go in that direction. Um, whereas a lot of people don't care. Yeah. So I think if, if that's something that you're probably not going to notice, you'll love the C64 Mini because there's some good games on it. It's a really slick package. Um, yeah. It looks awesome. It works for the most part besides the input lag, like I said. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's worth a try if you can, you know. And you can load new stuff on it. Yeah. And that's, and that's both new as in old games that are, you can get acquire yep. but also too the, the newer games that are still being released actively yep. quite frequently yeah um, and I suppose look, that's probably a good good spot to see, uh, segue across I mean that's the other side of things as well like with the Commodore 64 I mean look and like the ZX Spectrum and Amstrad <laughs> Amstrad had no games <laughs> that weren't on the Spectrum um, let's not talk about the Amstrad no um, <laughs> but, but look a lot of these other platforms are like some of these games can be daunting to sort of pick up and go yeah. hi here's impossible mission off you go yeah, and I mean, as as a kid, that was a bit of a rite of passage, though. Like the figuring out how the puzzles worked and the jumping worked. Yep, yep. 
But at the same token, I think you know, giving to sort of kids these days, or actually, I should say kids, that's, that's a gross generalisation. I think giving it to anyone that has no experience with the system these days yep. may very well just go, huh? Yeah, exactly. I've platformed, I've collected stuff, but what, oh, huh? Yeah, yep. Um, I mean, what's, I mean, like you said, with, um, you know, John, like you said, yeah, was, yeah John, yeah. like when you introduced, like what games did you sort of put him in front of? Uh, I was showing off, why was I? Yeah, it was SimCity on the C64 of all things. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was trying to remember why I was showing that off, and that's because we were doing an episode on some chosen games that we said, you know, th these are the games we're yep. going to talk about. And so I was trying to show him on the C64, and uh, yeah, that's probably a bad example because SimCity is a little bit complicated. Um, every system. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I've ever actually even played the C64 version. Okay, it's actually quite good. Graphics are very basic, but it's it's quite good. Um, but yeah, even the act of playing the game can be a bit of a barrier for of entry because um, you know a lot of the games use function keys. Yep. A lot of the games use the space bar as like a secondary fire mm -hmm. button, and um, oh. like um, me and Matt Tolhurst were just talking previously about uh, a game that he loves, like Gunship, yep. which is a simulator helicopter you know, thing. <laughs> it had a keyboard overlay. Yep. So you, you put this overlay oh. over the keyboard so you knew all the 30, yep. 50 buttons that yep. you needed That's to it. press to fly this helicopter. Yeah, and it's, um, um, oh, and aren't they a lost art form? Oh yeah, yeah, keyboard um, overlays, yeah. It's just, it's a, it is almost like a holy grail find when you get some of those games that come with that complete, not broken or torn or taped together. Like, yep. Yep. I love them, again, not always games I would play, but they're just so cool because they're yeah. just such a, a relic of another era where you don't see anymore. Uh, but yeah, but uh, yeah, giving someone gunship would be, I think, <laughs> daunting at the best of yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, uh, just a little bit. Yeah, but um, but yeah, that's that's a barrier, and I guess that's an issue. But at the same time, that's kind of an advantage of the Commodore 64 because you could have these games that are more complicated because you had those all of those keys. Um, so you could, you know, do more complicated stuff. You can yep. do simulators where you're pressing five buttons to make a rotor spin at a certain well, speed, and yep. so absolutely. I mean, it's I mean, I know early early days like the '64. I mean, you had a lot of the very basic arcade-inspired stuff. So yep. I mean, in, I mean, obviously international soccer. Where I think it was probably yep. a lot of people's first memories of getting it packed in because yep. everyone yep. had it. I think you that was the first game I played on the C64. Likewise, and like it was a straight-up soccer arcadey soccer game. You yep. move with the joystick, you press the button to kick, and that's it. And yep. that, that's yep. that's accessible. You also because you're teaching people how to use the joystick. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there was a lot of the, the Gallagher Space Invaders clones. Yep. Um, things like Ant Attack, which again was a very basic exploration, run around type stuff. That. Yep. But then, yeah, as time got on, as you said, they cottoned on to hang on. We've got keyboards, and like Elite was probably one of those ones that you know we come uh, out yes. and it just uses everything <laughs> to make this really complex space sim that also I have never played. Right. I must admit I've never played it either. Cool. It, it's pretty shocking, isn't it? I don't feel so bad anymore. <laughs> I really don't feel Two bad. Two C64 guys saying we haven't played one of the most popular C64 games. Yeah. There you go. But, um, <laughs> but look, I mean, what, so what other games would you just like, from the, I suppose the original era of the 64, like what's some mm. of your, your choices? Like if you were going to go with a person on the floor now to go, hey, you've never used one of these, here is a couple of games that I think sell the system or make it what it is. Yep. Yeah, I was I was thinking about this question actually. I think it's a bit tough because 
I was, again, I was thinking about accessibility, and a lot of these games require the function keys to start because you're selecting one player or two player or whatever. And um, but that, notwithstanding, um, I think something like IK Plus, International yeah. Karate Plus, um, it, it's pretty obvious what's going on. Yep. And yes, the controls are a little bit complicated, I suppose, but everyone knows fighting games now. That's it. And um, that is a really good fighting game that still. Uh, stand, um, you know, stands up today. Oh, it absolutely. I mean, we've got a well, we've got a competition tomorrow on, on the Saturday here at PAX. We're doing our three player with um, got the the big the four player dongle out. And we're going to have a three player oh, hit out nice. like King of the Hill awesome. tournament. So, um, looking forward to that because, like you said, yeah, it's just directions to move left and right, but yep. up and down to attack and do different things. And yep, yep. yeah, it is. It's, it's pretty intuitive. Yeah, yeah. And if you're going back even further, maybe a bit more basic, um, a game like Boulder Dash. Mm -hmm. You're just, you know, chewing away at dirt and collecting diamonds and avoiding the, the griblies, so yes. they call it. Um, yep. That's a very fun game. That's a game that I think is accessible to everyone. Um, mm -hmm. When we had it back in the day, my mum and dad would play it more than I would. Much more than I would. Yep. And they loved it. They loved Boulder Dash. It, oh, um, it still is brilliant. And they still make it to this day. I mean, first star, uh, first star yeah, are heavily aggressive on their pursuit of that that um, IP and that trademark right. because they still make there's a 3DS game of it oh I did not know that yeah Boulder Dash XL came out a few years ago and actually has some of the original graphic modes and stuff in it and it's it's a pretty cool game mm, mm. Um, yeah okay mm. nice I mean I know for me look you know some of the ones I had obviously IK Plus is, is a given um, yep. but I mean some of the arcade release like Bubble Bobble is obviously one of the more well known I mean yeah. the, the music aside because Sid, Sid soundtrack for that game is awesome <laughs> um, but it's a, it is a very simple two player platform arcade game that yep. was probably one of the better ports of it anyway yep. um, River Raid I mean it's the Atari 2600 game but it's just better on the C64 yeah it's uh, a fantastic version on the C64 and like Hero as well I mean yep. Hero was another one of those exploration games that was pretty straightforward but again, the 64 just did that bit more that the, the 2600 couldn't quite do graphically. So, yep. um, I mean, the other ones are like uh, Nebulous, is oh, one. Yeah. It's or yep, Tower yep. Topper, or to our American friends. Yeah. Um, you know, the climbing your way up the towers and jumping, and while the physics were a little bit unforgiving at times, the the goal was pretty straightforward. From when you get out, it's mm. run up, run up the tower. Yep. And it looks cool. Like, yep. You know, He's, he is a very cute little character and it <laughs> plays well. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the only other one was the Great Kiana Sisters, which ah. is via Super Mario clone. Yep. It, you know, plays well, looks well, and that soundtrack is also one of the best. Yeah, if it's you pretty can damn cool. find an original copy yeah, of it. Yeah, an original copy of that would be very hard to find. It's very expensive too. Oh, yeah. And the reason being that Nintendo... Did they threaten to sue or actually they, sue the developers? No, it was threat. It was wrath of wrath of God came down upon yeah. them. Much like, and which is funny because the people talk about these days going, oh, Nintendo going after you know protecting their copyright. How dare they kill this fan game when mm. they were doing it back when Gianna Sisters came out and they yeah. saw it went too similar. Yeah. Uh -uh. Yep. And the rest is history. Yeah, and that was pulled off shelves. So if you can find a copy, uh, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the, the other aspect though is the new the new stuff. Mm. So we've you know with places like Pond Software, Cytronics, um, and a whole raft of others that are publishing brand new Commodore 64 titles. Yep. I mean, and these are you know on old hardware, but with modern sensibilities, modern yep. design, Absolutely. and also new tricks that maybe weren't possible, weren't really that well documented back then. So, yep. Yep. I mean, you know. 
we've, we've seen titles. Like, I mean, Galencia, which is a press barn tape favourite. Yeah, um, it's a favourite of mine too. We had the comp last year, which it just it went over like an absolute you know, bomb. Like, it was fantastic. Um, and it's just a straight-up Galaga shooter that does everything right. Yeah, yep. Um, Cannibal. Cannibal, yes. Cannibal is awesome on the Commodore 64. Single button is... Yep. They're good. Endless runners like work work really well as well on it. Yeah, and it's um I think you can get a disc version, but there's a cartridge version. So if you're talking about accessibility, cartridges yeah. you plug in the back, you turn it on, the game comes up, you're done. Yeah, that's it. Um, so that's a very accessible game, but also an awesome game. Yeah, um, I know. So like more recently released, well, like um, Christmas last year, we had Sam's Journey come out. Oh yeah, I haven't played that yet. But I I've heard it's really good. Haven't either. Um, right. And for those that haven't seen it or don't know what it is, it's um, a Commodore 64 game that's very much like Super Mario World, mixed with a bit of some of the Kirby elements because you can he changes his costumes and gets different abilities and mm-hmm. has this massive world that he can explore. Like it's the sort of thing where you look and go, this can't be a Commodore 64 game, but. Yeah. It is, and I yep. mean, but again, yep. it's on cartridge, and they take advantage of the extra storage and things that it gives them to yep. do, you know, to roll out this game that is probably one of the best ever released on the system. Mm. If certainly what the things I've seen and read sort of suggest. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, there's some really good stuff coming out, and a lot of it. Mm. It's surprising and awesome. <laughs> yes, I, I love it. It's something that I think you don't see for. I mean, again, I I, I dump on the um, the CPC. Uh, as much as it's a cool platform, you know, you don't really see anywhere near the level of development and new yeah. stuff coming out for it that the C64, I mean, does that expect you get as well? But yep. the 64 especially just seems to be this juggernaut that's just so much there and so many people want to push stuff out. Yep. So, yep. I mean, it's not hard to go and find find this stuff online. Like, you quick Google search of, you know, brand new C64 games or mm-hmm. search, you know, the Bear Essentials or Valencia, Sam's Journey, and you'll uncover not only that, but a whole, a whole heap of stuff. raft of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, look, oh, I mean, look, that's probably with something we could probably sit here and talk about for yeah. uh, hours on end because yeah. it's just such a, there's so much you could cover off, but yeah. might, might wrap it up there. But before we go, so where can people find you? Yeah, so just uh, search Game the System on Google. Mm-hmm. Um, we're the top result, I think. So we'll, you can find our webpage there. Um, search us on iTunes, Game the System. We'll come up there as a podcast. Um, yeah, we're out there. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So, and like always, I mean, for us here, yeah, you can find us at ppot.audio. Um, also on by searching for Press Play on Tape Podcast on Twitter and or Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, obviously this will go out after the show, but, you know, if anyone does come across say hi at the show, Hi, and hope you enjoy it. So, all right, Mark, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for your time, Thank you and thanks much. to Audio Technica again for hosting us Absolutely. here today. This is possibly the most hardcore recording equipment I think I've ever used in my <laughs> life, and I think I need some new toys. Yeah, it's really, really nice, and the fact that it's so loud around us, but with these headphones on and these mics, we can hear each other super clearly. It's awesome. It is so awesome. All right, well, with that, let's goodbye. Let's catch you later, Mark. Yeah, catch you later. Thanks, Aaron.